Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. Wiggins, America. I am not a number. I am a free man. Wiggins, America. The only thing I'm going to need from you guys right now is a cup of coffee. Today's global economy waits for no man. America. Today's global business climate is like, whatever, dude. Politics is a dirty game. I'm not sure we want to play. There are forces here at work that you couldn't possibly understand. You have no idea how high up this goes. Welcome to Wiggins, America. We set foot in America one fine today. Sailing into Baltimore well everything's okay New buttons on your jacket Shining like the brand new dust Listening in the sunlight Blistering my eyes When you said that you loved me I knew it wasn't true I've 100 night messages Welcome to Wiggins America We're going to start the show a little different than normal Trisha is in studio Oh hey uh, the reason that I've brought you here to start the show is because it is the two-year anniversary of Wiggins America, Woo! and I just want to give you all the opportunity in the world to talk about what, not necessarily the show means to you, but what I mean to you. And it's just, Ryan, just I'll stop you right there. It has just been the honor of a lifetime oh getting gosh. to be a part of this product for two full years. Two whole years. Working alongside you so closely Ooh. and being being such a important piece of this invaluable invaluable thank you piece of this masterful puzzle I just I couldn't be more grateful. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to thank you first and foremost, but I'd like to thank your family, your parents, uh, for making this all possible. Um, your wife for allowing us the time. Your children. I know it takes a lot of time away from your family. My um, parents, in, in general, why did you want to thank them? Because they brought them? you into this world they and, did, and the, we wouldn't be here without them. I'd like to thank God for for the creation of this show. Um, yeah, and, and my parents, uh, too, for letting me come to work every day. I have to, I have to ask them. Do you? <laughs> every day, yeah. Um, they always say yes. I got permission to be on this show two years ago, yeah, and so that was cool. My parents that signing that permission slip. No, but honestly, mm. it's just a just a real real privilege. Yeah, happy anniversary. Yeah, yeah. You know, I didn't know you'd go th- a minute and a half on that, but 
that's fine. It has been two years. You have been a part of the show from day one. And you know the reason for that? Do you remember why? Uh, only guy here. Kind of. <laughs> but it was because this show was formed out of uh, another big birth, Yep. which is Annie Fry's fourth child. Yep. Because she was on maternity leave. I remember. I was filling in that summer for Annie. I remember. Quite a bit. You were filling in for producers who were not yep. here. For some reason, I was, yeah. And I therefore, was... you and I worked together in middays yep. quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And then uh, we launched this show like right afterwards. Mm-hmm. So that is why I always remember when it's the anniversary of the show because it's also my birthday. So. That's also Happy today. Birthday. Yeah, easy to remember. Uh, let's talk about some stuff. This week was 9-11. One of the things that always happens on 9-11, aside from the genuine and good tributes that happen on 9-11, uh, great, man, if you've ever heard a testimony of somebody who was there in the building. So powerful. You can't, you can't stop listening because you, it's so, emo, it's so powerful. But. One of the things we end up doing is talking about where were you? Where were you when 9-11 happened? I, I just wanted to ask this question because it's a little bit different angle on the whole thing. Are there any other events that you think, either in our lifetimes or since 9-11 especially, that are those where were you events? Have we had another one? Or is that the one that's going to mark our lives as Americans who were alive during that event? Is there anything else? For me, that there's nothing quite like that, and I was young. Um, I think I was thinking about this a little bit earlier. I think that there was a moment, for me at least, during COVID when I realized the world was shutting down. Where I, when I realized we were all we had all agreed that we were going to shut it down for a minute. That I thought this is something like we've never experienced before. I remember sitting on my couch thinking I couldn't go anywhere right now if I wanted to. And that... Was that March 15th of 2020, that's, roughly? That's the thing. Yes, it would have been March. It wasn't a specific... It was a personal moment, and I'm assu- but I'm assuming there was a window there where a lot of us had that moment, but in more of a, a window, as opposed to yep. uh, such a powerful and tragic event like 9-11 was. I'm glad you brought that one up because I wrote down two. That's one of them. But that one is hard to define. It's hard to pinpoint. Because the... it's almost as if everybody does have that moment that you're talking about where you go, whoa, something has shifted here. This is, I've never experienced this before. And none of us knew what we were actually getting into. Mm-hmm. But we all remember that moment that we were all suddenly not allowed to do anything. Yeah, just sitting there and thinking, this is a BFD. I don't know what is coming next, but this is huge. And that for me, and it's weird because it probably varies by state too. If you're in South Dakota, that moment may not really exist for you. But we're in Illinois. I would say most people probably do have something like that experience because everywhere was to an extent shutting down. For a two-week period, For what we thought very, was it was, days. yeah, 15 days yeah. to slow the curve. Or... And th- I think one of the reasons, though, that became so emblazoned in our memories is because it didn't last two weeks, that we all kept thinking back to that moment and going, oh, that was a bigger moment than just this thing that I remember. Yeah. This was the sudden change of society, maybe forever in some ways, 
But for me, just to answer the where were you question, I will never forget I was at a wedding and Pierre Marquette and I was seeing a whole lot of people that I hadn't seen in a long time. Now, this wasn't like a close friend of mine, but it was a girl who um, babysat for us a lot and it was her family and she wanted our little cute at the time twins who were probably five to be her ring bearer and sure, flower sense. girl and They're stuff. Adorable. So they they were invited to be in the wedding. It was the first time that had ever happened. And so we were happy to oblige. Beautiful place throughout the day. I think it was literally March 15th. We're hearing news. J.B. Pritzker is going to shut down all bars at the time and restaurants. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, he can't do that. That's not a real thing. <laughs> what yeah. are you even talking about? And being in news, which mm-hmm. I had been for a couple mm-hmm. years at that time and been in media for a long time, I thought, this is rumor. This is people blowing this stuff up. Mm-hmm. And we're at a big event, tons of people. So they're talking about how, oh, man, we won't even be able to do this next week. I thought it was just conversation. But the more I looked into it, the more I'm like, actually, these rumors have some basis in truth. I didn't quite believe them yet, but it was the next day that you started to see the real news reports about it that I went, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. if that wedding had been on a Sunday rather than a Saturday, I don't know that they would have, I think they maybe still that weekend would have been okay, but a week later they wouldn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was shut down. Yeah, I remember Steve coming to me. We were doing diners, a Diners and Democracy tour with the Mark Cox Morning Show Mm -hmm. at the time, and we were on our last diner for the event span we were going to go to Belleville Illinois to round table and I remember Steve coming to me that week because things had started to shut down and he's like do we need to pull this thing and I'm like that I mean no I know what are you talking about and he's like all right you're right he's like that's fine we'll keep going because Steve's not a quitter you know he was but the rumors had started and we get there and there was not very many people there and the rumor there was a chatter a chit and a chatter going and it was not two days later it was wow. the fault. That must have been the Friday because that was a Friday. I bet it was the same weekend. I bet you went to that wedding that weekend. I bet probably the Monday after. Yeah, I always say it was the 15th and I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah. But it was a Saturday. Mm-hmm. So whatever that was. This would have been the, the Friday before the that. Friday. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, that's weird too because <clears throat> people were voluntarily staying home because they had been kind of scared by it. Yep. Um, which I just never was. I don't know why I wasn't, but I never was. Even though a lot of people around me, including my own family, were. And they were worried about me because of CF, I think, because they're like, oh, this is a virus. You need to be particularly careful Mm -hmm. about it. And I just wasn't. I I mean, I didn't, I wasn't not careful. I just didn't care. I thought that it was all overblown. Mm -hmm. And I still do. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But the only other one that I've come up with that was a, and and you can please disagree with me on this if you want to, because I, I will. I imagine that, that many people will. But put aside your personal feelings about this event. Put aside the politics. I don't know if I can do that. I know, I know. I'm asking a a lot of you and everybody listening right now. Uh, Put aside what has happened since then, even, because that all shapes the narrative and colors it. January 6th. Mm. Is that a where were you when it happened moment for you? Not for me. No? Okay. No, I I really, it wasn't because at the time, and anybody that listens to this station on a regular basis knows that Mark Cox was there covering it from a journalistic angle. And I had been in contact with Mark all day that day. And so he was on the ground saying, 
I'm not seeing what people are reporting. I'm I'm getting a very different picture from my vantage point. So I'm watching a, an event happen on TV and I'm going, hmm, that doesn't look good. But I'm also talking to somebody that's there that's saying, look, you're not seeing it like it is for most of us here. So I don't know if it was that. Like, I felt like I was too close to it. Like, I had to. Like, it was like, no, this isn't what you're seeing isn't necessarily what I'm experiencing. So, and so I was like, maybe it's not that. as bad. Yeah, I don't know if it was just that contact, the way I was I was getting my coverage of it. Uh I mean, in hindsight, going back and watching it, you're like, ooh, it doesn't look good. But I think more the January 6th, not to pivot too quickly. No, please do. But you remember when all the riots were happening? You remember? Summer of 2020, you mean? Yeah, you remember when the streets were actually on fire, burning in cities and buildings were breaking and cars were flipped upside down. So by the time we got to January 6th, we'd been watching... Months and months and months of chaos and destruction. I think maybe there was some desensitization there for me that I'd been watching so much chaos at such like massive levels that I'm just like, this is just the world we live in. Well, politically speaking, I'm glad you brought that up because to me, those weren't moments, though. And and I think January 6th to me was and I'm trying to take away all the the context that happened afterwards and just remember that day of thinking and we were live I think that's maybe part of it Mm -hmm. is that we were live covering it on the Andy Fry show and it just felt like we're we're covering something pretty significant here yeah I don't know what it is but I know something's happening and what it's become I don't even want to get into because I think we all are on the same page that what it's become is just such a circus and it's so stupid and the 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 prosecution of these people that's so, so exaggerated in some cases for what they did with trespassing um, that all that I don't even want to get into. But I do remember thinking that day that there, this this is a significant event. Yeah. And that that turned out to be true. It was a significant event. That is true. In that, you know, it became this like uh, don't touch it, you know, commentary thing that the left has really used to paint Trump supporters in a certain way. But yeah, I, I that's what I figured that I was in the minority on that one. I just <clears throat> that's the only other one that I can think of that I do remember. I mean, oddly, I actually remember where I was during the Kavanaugh hearings too, but I, like these <laughs> things don't rise to a national where yeah. were you? Yeah. And January 6th I thought maybe did, but I maybe think for, not. I think in to your credit, I think that there, for a lot of people, it does. It it will go down in history books. I I don't know if it was just the day I was having or the years <laughs> we'd been having, yeah. but I was just looking at it, looking at the images on the screen, thinking, huh, that looks not great, but also I'm not exactly sure what reality we live in anymore, yeah. so whatever. <laughs> well, I, I want to take a break here, and I want to bring you back in a minute to talk about, I take, do one segment, and then I want to talk with you about your favorite host, uh, Jimmy Fallon. Oh, I thought you were talking about you. Oh, no, I I, I didn't mean to lead you On in that your birthday direction. and anniversary and oh, everything. Oh, gosh, you brought that up again? Yeah, uh, did I mention what a distinct honor and privilege it was to be here? I honestly don't remember. Okay, well, I, if I haven't said it, I'd like you to know how uh, grateful I am this is, to be no, part this of is this. This is uncomfortable. I don't want to do this. If you want to say something about it, if you don't feel like you have yet, come back in a minute and you can say all you want. Okay, thank you. Okay? I, I would like that. We'll be right back. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. This is great. I, I didn't pull the audio from Cringe Jump here this week. But I did pull some audio for you. I love Spin. In fact, I love it so much that I like to play the best of the best when you hear Spin. I, you know what? In light of that, I probably should have pulled the Cringe on Pierre piece because it was all Spin. But I got one better, so just hang on. But the Cringe on Pierre thing, if you didn't see it this week, it was about her spinning the impeachment inquiry in a way that actually, while I say I love it, it's because it's like a morbid curiosity. There are times that I actually can't laugh at it anymore. It makes me mad that there's no accountability for such lies. Now, everybody's going to say that about the politician they don't like. Oh, they lie and they get away with it. Everybody's going to say that. But when you're talking about, they ask her about the impeachment inquiry, and she says, there's literally, and she acts incensed that they would even be doing this, there's literally no evidence that the impeachment or that any of this money can be traced to Joe Biden. None of the things they're talking about can be traced to Joe Biden. So, And there's no follow-up. She just says that. And I didn't watch the whole press conference, but I did see the end of the press conference where she folds up her folder and walks away and some reporters yelling, hey, hey I got another question about that for you. And she he yells it and she just walks off. It's amazing that she's able to get away with that because she can just avoid, I, I get it, if I avoid this one reporter, I won't have to answer those questions. Well, she shouldn't be able to just avoid one reporter and avoid those questions. Everybody should be asking those questions. You're in, in sense that there's no evidence that connects this money to Joe Biden. So, A, you're admitting there's a ton of foreign money influence in the Biden camp, in the Biden family, but it can't be directly tied to Joe Biden yet. Two, you're acknowledging that there's an impeachment inquiry and there's no evidence. Well, that's the point of an inquiry is to find the evidence. If you're mad that they're doing the inquiry to because they're, you know, oh, they already found him a criminal, now they got to find the crime like they're doing to Trump. I get if you're doing that. But that's not what she's saying. She's just saying there is no evidence, there's no basis for the inquiry. But there is 
tons of evidence. You may not like the evidence. You may disagree with the evidence, but there is a boatload, or I could say a laptop load, full of evidence and now corroborating witnesses. You got Tony Bobolinsky, you got Devin Archer, all of them testifying that this was a criminal enterprise involving the Biden family for foreign bribes. Then you have Hunter Biden's own texts on the WhatsApp messenger outside of the, this is extra to the laptop, saying, hey, my dad's sitting right here. Give us the money. That's all evidence. Now, you can disagree with the evidence, but it's still evidence. Pause, Ryan. I'm going to play you the best spin of the week. It's from The View. Why is Kamala so dangerous? Right? That's Why do you think she's so dangerous? I don't know, That's kind of offensive to me. And the other thing is, she's unprepared. Kamala Harris, uh, by the way, was the first woman elected DA of San Francisco, the first woman to be attorney general of California. She's the first female vice president. She's been on the job doing a damn good job. And I am so tired of people questioning her qualifications. The woman is ready to lead if she need, if she needs to lead. But I don't think Joe Biden's going anywhere because I see him on his bike in Delaware. I can't bike that much. And I mean, he's 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 fit. And let's compare the Republican candidate who eats cheeseburgers and throws spaghetti at the wall. I mean, is, is he prepared? Now, which one do you think is better? Was that spin better than Corinne Jean-Pierre's? I actually think it was. It was better because it was funnier. <laughs> Corinne Jean-Pierre's is so, is so egregious that it actually makes you mad. It makes me mad when I hear lies that bad. And then nobody step. You know, you can say a lie if nobody's going to push back, and that's what's going on. There's nobody that ever pushed back on Cringe Jump here. Now, with Sonny Hostin on The View, uh, I, I just love the idea that she is teaching me that I am actually... It's not that I think the vice president is incompetent and just awful. <laughs> it's that I'm afraid of her. <laughs> that's the problem with America, and this is Wiggins America, because I'm obviously representative of the rest of America, that I'm actually just afraid of her power and her prowess. It, it has nothing to do with anything else. <laughs> All right, we'll be right back. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's the two-year anniversary of Women's America existing at all, really. And Trish is back and, and just, again, just a I, short period of time if you wanted to say anything about please. it. Please. It, um, it is just, it's beautiful to be, this whole product is so beautiful and this whole experience has been so beautiful and mm. life changing that I don't think that there are words I can really say that can do justice to what, how monumental this anniversary is and this experience has been. It's just crazy at times. You know, it's like just this chaotic world that is Wiggins America that we just barely pull it together every week and we all come away so proud. And we're living in it in this way yeah. that is such a I feel like I feel like we're family and I feel like it's beautiful is the only word word I can really one think. big family that's rarely in the studio together. Yeah. 
Me and you and Roy almost well, it's like never. like most families. <laughs> you know, like you might get the occasional text once every couple months, but That's how true. often are you really seeing like some of your uncles? I don't yeah. Know. I'll, you know, I always thought you were going to say your your spouse because uh, the answer is daily. But uh, Unless you're working hard on this show. Yeah. And that's we, why I'm so grateful to your family for we, giving you this time. We do try to drive a wedge between you and your, your closest intimate allies. Let's talk about America. Jimmy Fallon. Okay. <laughs> Does, what's he, what's, okay, what's the Jimmy deal? You said to me, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you about how you feel about Jimmy Fallon. And, and you said, I don't, I don't yeah, feel anyway. I have zero feelings about <laughs> so, Jimmy Fallon. Well, my question was going to be, uh, do <laughs> yeah, like, what's your response to this? Is this something you care about? Uh, the, what's going on with Jimmy Fallon is, Obviously, they're not taping any new shows, so I don't know if this is a part of that, that people are just disgruntled and they're just sharing stuff. But what's what I've seen from Jimmy Fallon percolating for years now, this isn't something that's just popped up, although it, for some reason has just gotten traction again, that people have said for years that he's really, really hard to work for. And most of them cite that he's an alcoholic. That's what I've heard. Yeah. And, and this isn't new. This has been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. The Roots used to be his band. They... Now, I don't think they left because they just hated that he was an alcoholic, but they didn't have necessarily a great relationship with him, apparently, and then they got into contract battles, and they left the show. And it's weird because if you go to Universal Studios, you ride the Jimmy Fallon ride, and it's got all these people and characters who are not on that show anymore, but Jimmy Fallon is still a thing. So I don't know how they're going to handle this this kind of stuff, but um, it's kind of an Ellen situation, it sounds like, where the public persona is really nice and friendly. And obviously the audience there is huge, so all you know is what you see. But behind the scenes, the people who work closely with her and then him are saying, look, the guy the guy and the girl mm-hmm. are just not good. They're not good to be around. They're very moody. When they walk in, the, the, the room is either very dark because they're in a bad mood or everybody's okay because, oh, Jimmy's having a good day. And we've all been in situations like that probably and can identify with it. And it's uncomfortable. It's bad. You want to get out of it. But there's only so many jobs in entertainment, so people are usually willing to stick Mm -hmm. around, especially at that level. I just didn't know if that's something that you even cared to discuss because I, I know it's not really like a part of the normal stuff we do, but I'm following it for some reason. So it doesn't surprise me. There's a personality type that makes it big in the media industry. You've been in this industry long enough to know that. So if you'd said anybody, I'm genuinely more surprised when somebody comes out and says, this guy's a nice guy behind the scenes. Like, oh, this yeah. is a nice person. Yeah. When they when people make it to that level and I hear that they're just like really good down to earth people. Usually the best performers in this business have enough crazy in them that they're a bit of a liability to work with. Well, when they get so big, they can kind of do whatever they want. There's, uh, you have to have a certain level of of confidence there's an ego that goes along with being in a position like jimmy fallon's in and it for whatever reason it's also very fragile and maybe that's because your whole life is based on how the world sees you Mm -hmm. there's uh it's very fragile and it oftentimes makes people very volatile you know i'll speak to just having been at the level that i was in in that industry which is not nearly that high but when you and i may have said this before i apologize if i have but when you are cameras on, lights on, production crews ready to go, it's a little bit different <clears throat> in the case of somebody like a Jimmy Fallon or a late night talk show because you're literally doing it every day almost. Mm-hmm. But when you, when I've done shoots before that are 
quote-unquote major shoots, and we're talking about budgets that are nothing compared to some of the big budgets. But still, even with our small budget, you're talking about every half hour that goes by that you got those lights on, you got a big crew, sometimes you got talent, sometimes you got whoever in there, you're spending a lot of money. Yep. And if you're not able to execute what you need to, especially as talent, which I have also been, I've been that's the thing. I've been talent behind the camera, producing, mm-hmm. directing, writing. When it's all on you, it is very stressful. And I wonder if some of these guys or girls get to a level where they've been very successful and some of those eccentricities that they have to deal with that stress get coddled and not sandpapered off Mm -hmm. and they never get told no because they've had the success when that's how they deal with the stress of these things and so it just becomes a monster that kind of eats them and i i wonder if that's what's going on yeah that's i think that's a an i don't know if that's necessarily an analogy but that's probably a good way to describe what's happening The other weird thing that I've seen is in conservative media land, both in Twitter and on the air in different places, I've seen conservatives really defending Jimmy Fallon, not politically, but saying, you know what, if some disgruntled employee comes out and just wants to take a shot at you, you're going to trust that that, that their word is gospel then? I think there's a point to that. But I, with most of these people, if you hear it something one time, you go, oh, whatever. <clears throat> Just like a bad Yelp review, you go, well, I've been to that restaurant before. It's a good restaurant. It's got a couple bad reviews because so-and-so didn't like the food or the service. Mm-hmm. That happens. But when you hear there's it a pattern. for years, yeah. and I have about him for years, you, it's probably, you, you I, believe it's, it. Yeah, it's probably rooted in truth. Most, most rumors like that are, I'm not defending him. I don't think that you should treat people poorly. I think that's a very... Like uh, unseemly way to behave. Yeah, but it doesn't surprise me. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't consume Jimmy Fallon's. It was the same with Ellen. Although, because I have a friend that was so gung ho for Ellen, I decided to take the anti Ellen stance <laughs> okay. just because it made for better. Like I appreciate that. Ellen's the best. I'm like, no, she's actually the worst human that has ever lived. <laughs> I uh, I'm pretty neutral on Jimmy Fallon. If I watch, if I turn on Fallon and something's funny or he's got a good guest, I'll watch it. If not, I'll tell everybody I think he's a jerk. Whatever. Do you care about the strike? I mean, is it affecting you at all? Not yet. Yeah, me either. I I will care when I start running out of content, but which is ha- I mean, the Drew Barrymore thing is intriguing to me because she's gonna cross the picket line essentially and read and start doing her show again. Mm-hmm. And not that I care about the Drew Barrymore show at all. In fact, mm, most of these shows like kind of like it. No, these shows, all of the late night, I really don't watch any of them. Same. I don't have TV mm-hmm. anymore, and I think there's a large swath of America that anymore does not care about these things. And so it's it's affecting these talk shows first, of which America isn't paying that close attention anyway. So it's weird because they're doing this to try to get the audience riled up to say we want more content to kind of force the sides back together and so far i don't really hear the audience caring that much Uh -uh. and the strike just keeps on going at some point and this happened during covid too where if you shut down all the productions well you're gonna feel that in like a year Mm -hmm. but you don't right away i mean it's like a lot of the political issues we talk about yes you can do a bad decision that you may not feel right away but you're going to feel it in a few years. 
And that's kind of the, the strike to me, both with the actors and the writers. So Yeah, it starts to get kind of irritating when your favorite show is taking too long for the next season to come out yeah. in full on your streaming service. But we haven't quite gotten to that point We're yet. We're not there we? yet, no. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, anything more about uh, second anniversary before we go? Just, uh, just huge, huge privilege. Um, couldn't thank you enough. I don't have, have the words, do you? No, just tears of joy and gratitude. Yeah, yeah. Second anniversary of the show. I mean, we're all feeling that. We'll get old Roy back in here next hour. Trish is going to come back too. Stick around. Uh, it's been a while since we've talked about the big lie. We talk about those issues plenty, but we don't use that term because that's a marketing term. The left is very good at that. The left is very good at that, not because they're better at marketing, but because they have more voices. They have the mainstream voices. That's why we call them mainstream news. But this is an article that I'd like to bring up because now it's not just the big lie. According to Yahoo News, Michael Tomaski of Yahoo News, this week, now there's big lie number two. He says the big lie, as it quickly became known, was that Donald Trump actually won the 2020 election. He's still out there peddling this nonsense, and a lot of people still believe it, though thankfully they constitute a clear minority of voters. That's actually not true, uh, unless <clears throat> he's citing a poll that I don't know about, and he, he doesn't really cite it. There's some hyperlink here, but I, I can't click it because I've got the article printed out. But he doesn't cite the poll. He doesn't give numbers or anything. Uh, the only polling I ever see on this is Rasmussen, which is admittedly a right-leaning poller. Uh, when they ask the question this way, they say, did fraud have anything to do with the outcome of the 2020 election? Did it play a role? And the majority of Americans answer that question, yes, according to his poll. Uh, in fact, it's a it's a wide majority. It's like 70-something percent. Now, I think it all has to do with the way you word that question. I haven't seen a whole lot of polling on that question other than Rasmussen. Um, but when you word it to where you go, well, well, did Trump actually win, for instance? Well, then the, the majority would probably say no. So it, it all is dependent on how you word it, which is the point of calling it just the big lie. Then you don't have to address individual arguments. And there are a plethora of individual arguments. I think we talk about probably one every other week at least that we say, well, this one, there's there's some merit to this one. Or, I'm watching this, I don't know yet, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, that's one criticism that I do have of President Trump, just to get off a little side trail here on the big lie, is that he is the manifest destiny of this whole thing. I mean, he is the centerpiece of this whole 2020 election thing. He should bring up individual cases often. He should find the ones that have the most merit, and I mean drill, baby, drill onto those things until people are forced to confront them, and he hasn't done it, which does make his argument weak. If he had drilled in on individual arguments with this stuff, it would have a lot more merit, but he hasn't. He just says, well, it was stolen. It's fraud. Essentially, he's creating a narrative instead of giving proper evidence or looking into these things deeper. I fault him for that. I don't like that he's done that. Uh, that has left people like you and I, an individual random journalist, to have to look into these things without much muscle behind them. And so courts just throw them out. Anyway, that's a little side trail. 
Now there's the big lie number two. You interested to see what this is called now? Uh, This article here in Yahoo says Trump has been hawking this one for a while too. But it has been, to my mind, oddly little remarked upon. So his, his goal, this author's goal for Yahoo News, is to market a new big lie number two. He wants this to take off. I want to see if you agree that this is a lie. Because I just said big lie number one is a marketing campaign. There is a lot of merit to some of these claims. There is no merit to some of these claims also. Uh, but Trump has not done a very good job of drilling it. So I'm, I'm critical of him on that. Um, but big lie number two, he says, is more insidious and dangerous than big lie number one for two reasons. First, it has nothing to do with the settled past, but rather with the unsettled present and future. And second, unlike big lie number one, a majority of Americans believe it. Do you want to know what big lie number two is? Well, I think it's time we played the game of lies. The game of lies! played this game in a while, but this one fits right into it because it's all about lies. Yahoo News says the lie is that the indictments against Trump, this is now big lie number two apparently, the indictments against Trump represent a collective effort to stop him from running for president. (laughs) So he's saying that's a lie. They're not actually trying to stop him from running for president at all. They're not trying to use the 14th Amendment to keep him off of ballots in certain states. That's all a lie. Trump talks about this all the time. He says, quote, election interference is the phrase he often uses. They can't stop me legitimately, he says. They know I won 2020. Big lie number one, they say. And they know I'll win again. So this is how they're trying to block me. Yahoo says it's not true. What's true is this. Credible evidence has emerged on a number of fronts that Trump may have broken the law, that he absconded. You're too stupid to understand those words, so don't worry about it. With boxes of sensitive classified documents to Florida that he approved a hush money payment to a woman with whom he had sexual relations. Uh, If they're talking about E. Jean Carroll, that actually has played out in court. So I'm not sure how that's a lie. Um, But I'm skipping ahead here because he just basically makes a long case for all the, the indictments that you've already seen. He, he even tries to defend the one in Manhattan with the district attorney, Alvin Bragg and his, his, (laughs) <laughs> kind of admits, well, that one doesn't quite have as much merit as the other three. Yeah, okay, of course, yeah, duh. That was the first one. It was the worst one. Um, but I, I skip ahead because after he, making his points <clears throat> about the things that you've already seen play out, the four indictments, he says, most people, unfortunately, though, don't believe it. A CBS YouGov poll from about a month ago asked respondents if they believe the indictments were an attempt to stop Trump's 2024 campaign. And 59% said yes. 59% said yes. So even Democrats are like, yeah, this is an attempt to stop his campaign. That's actually why I approve of it. 41% say, no, no, no. Justice is blind. Among independents, the group whose views matter most, according to this article because it's a small sliver of them who will decide whether Trump returns to the White House. I would argue with that, but I'll stop there. Uh, It was 
63 to 37% who say, yeah, they're just trying to stop him from running among independents. Uh, there, there was little good news in the poll, according to the author. Uh, by 57 to 43, respondents also believe that the indictments were attempt to uphold the rule of law. So there's, there's a little bit of disparity there in the poll, just like there is with a lot of polls. And uh, they, he, he cites defending democracy, of course, before he closes things out. So I, I think it's funny that this is all... This is really the point of the whole thing. It's marketing campaigns. But to deny that the point of doing this, it, to ask this author of this Yahoo article, Michael Tomoski, do you think they'd be doing this stuff to Trump if he wasn't running? It is a disingenuous answer to say, yeah, they would be doing all of this to Trump in Georgia, especially D.C., Manhattan, these Deep blue Democrat held spots where you're going to have, I think in D.C. it's like 90-10 they vote Democrat. So out of all the jury pool that you're going to get, you're going to get, if if you just have a random sampling, you're going to have nine Democrats and one Republican, if that. I don't even think it's one Republican. It's more like 5% vote Republican and 5% vote for somebody else. So it's going to be really hard to get a good jury pool in these areas. And that's kind of the point is that they know they're insulated from the political fallout from doing this. So they're going to do it anyway. And then other states are citing this to say, well, this might keep him off the ballot here. All of that, though, that you've seen play out, that is a lie, apparently, according to Yahoo. None of that is real. None of that is an attempt to keep him off the ballot with the 14th Amendment. None of that's even happening. In fact, this article doesn't even state that that's happening across the country, but it is. So that is today's Game of Lies. I think that you've played well. I think you've done a great job. Your reward, another hour of Wiggins America, the anniversary show. It's the second anniversary. We'll get Roy back in here. We'll get Trisha back in here next hour. Stick around. Get more at 971talk.com. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.